0: this is nick from nick and mellows hyperspace i great greatly appreciate you guys for joining us this evening Um, on our episode today we have a very special guest somebody i've been looking forward to talking to for a while now Um, he finally and i were able to make time together and do a podcast Um, i want to introduce mr ethan sachs Um, for those of you who don't know ethan um, he is a writer for marvel comics I'm Currently working on the ongoing Bounty Hunters comic for Star Wars, which is one of my favorite comics going on right now. And i just glad to have Ethan on, and I want to kind of talk about his experience as a writer and kind of how he got into Star Wars and all that fun stuff. So, Ethan, if you want to give a quick introduction about yourself, um, go right ahead.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, Nick, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate uh, anyone who wants to listen to me uh, yammering on, so <laughs> I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Ethan Sachs. I am a journalist turned comic book writer uh, for about 20 years. I was at the New York Daily News. One of the things I did there was cover the Geek Beat, which was everything from comic books to Star Wars to Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, all that sort of fun stuff. So long story short, I uh, was I, I am good friends with Joe Quesada. And um, in 2016, I had a Uh, for may the fourth be with you i had an assignment to interview paul blake who was the actor played grito and long story short it was a fantastic interview he was a very funny guy and we were talking about who shot first and uh what it came down to is he said in the script it says han shoots alien so after that interview it sort of stuck in my head uh i don't know how many of listeners out there know rashomon the the classic japanese movie by kurosawa the great director Kurosawa, based on a novel it's basically a murder mystery set in feudal Japan where um, someone is murdered and there are four do- different witnesses, including his ghost, and none of the accounts match. So I thought it'd be funny to do like a murder investigation into Grido, uh, where all these witnesses can't agree on whether Han or Greedo shot first. So I went to a mess game with with Joe, who was then uh, um, chief creative officer of Marvel. Uh, you know, just to keep this a fairly short story, I said, hey, do you mind if I send you a spec script? I have this idea I can't get out of my head if it's published because I'm still at the newspaper. I will, you know, donate proceeds or whatever, you know. I just want to write it down. So he was like, fine, whatever. He was not very supportive of the idea. <laughs> so, so I ended up um, spending some time, you know, I'd never written a comic book script before, but I had read so many that I sort of reverse engineered you know the the structure and and everything. I wrote it. Didn't hear anything back for months. uh Then I I was coming back from a trip to see my in laws in Japan, and the plane lands on September seventh, two thousand sixteen. I get the email that changes my life, and the subject line was F. Greedo. I will not spell it out for you. So <laughs> so I see that, and uh, it had been months since I had sent the script. So I was like, oh my god, um he must have really hated it. <laughs> But it, the the gist of the letter was, F. Greedo, you can actually write comic books, and um, I think you have a future in this. Uh, about a month later, the paper was offering buyouts, so I'd been there 20 years, so it was like seven months pay, so if I was going to take a chance, that was the time to do it, so I did. And that was how my uh, comic book career started. Uh, Marvel really liked it. Uh, Lucasfilm seemed to like it, but there was a continuity reason that they did not want to publish it. So it was never published. Uh, okay. But that was the script that sort of got me in the door of Marvel.
0: That's a really interesting story. Um, are you still a journalist? I, I, I don't keep up with you outside of comics. Uh, no, no worries. I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I consider myself so I, I okay. worked part time at NBC News up until the end of 2021. And I've done some nonfiction uh, journalism comics for awa studios which ran on nbc yeah. news one called covid chronicles one called climate crisis chronicles uh both were like real like i did interviews with real life people like you know firefighter fighting wildfires in california or things like that emergency room nurse um so we telling their stories uh with the great artist alabortology so i was using my journalism skills and my comic book uh, skills so so in that way Yes, but uh, not not full-time. And, okay,
0: not a uh, traditional journalist, it, I guess.
1: Not anymore, yeah. Right. I, yeah, I miss it a little bit, but there is nothing more fun than writing comic books.
0: Yeah, I'm, I've been a fan of comics for a long time, and I've always been fascinated with how the process works and uh, behind the scenes, and it's really cool story. Uh, I don't think I've heard a comic book writer tell a, a story like that before, so I kind of kind of enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know that I'm any um, indication for like a way in for anybody else. Yeah. It was so random, such a random set of circumstances. Yeah. But, um, but I guess the takeaway is that um, you're A, never too old and B, there's no one path. Right. So that's the, that's the sort of the silver lining of all that.
0: I want to ask you about your Star Wars origin story. Mm-hmm. Kind of when did you first see Star Wars? How did you get involved with being a fan of Star Wars?
1: Well, I'm old. Uh, So I was four years old when A New Hope, then just Star Wars, came out into theaters. And it was such a powerful experience for me. I saw it in Times Square and then Lowe's Theater. And um, my dad took me. And I still have the memory of of the, you know, Star Destroyer flying overhead and John Williams score and turning to look at my dad. And it was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And it's so vivid that it's like my father is still alive. He died in 1995. I, I can still hear his voice. Every, everything is like preserved in my memory. And uh, I did get to tell that story over the years as a journalist to Carrie Fisher, to Mark Hamill, uh, to Anthony Daniels, and to George Lucas. So wow. uh, just to thank them for for that. You know, it really, of all the, pop, you know, I love Marvel superheroes. I love DC superheroes. I love all sorts of pop culture things. But my my North Star is Star Wars. It is the single thing that, that you know, made me want to be a writer, made me go down this path. And it's just something that, you know, I, I can put on any of the Star Wars movies to this day and I, I become a four-year-old again.
0: As I like asking people this question, it's a very generic question, but I'm just always curious. Is The New Hope your favorite Star Wars film or do you have one? Uh,
1: I do have one. It's The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, okay. Because... Um, as much as I love A New Hope, just The Empire Strikes Back, I think, is is as close to a perfect movie, you know, taking even the Star Wars out of it. And I just think I remember so vividly seeing it in a theater when I was seven. And then you realize it ends and Han Solo is still like up. it ends in a cliffhanger, which I had never seen before in a movie at, at, that, at my age. So I had to wait three years and I, I just it just having the the good guys lose and and get their butts kicked it was just so you know it's so dark and it just really captivated me in a, in, in a way that still captivates me close number two for me is uh, is uh Rogue one okay. uh and and you know to some extent and or like i just uh, i definitely gravitate towards the darker
0: <laughs> yeah the greater things in yeah. star wars yeah. yeah i from reading bounty hunters that it gets a little dark sometimes and right. i appreciate that about it um I you know funny you mentioned the cliffhanger and having to wait three years and um I think I remember uh not to I'm not going to spoil this movie it just came out this year across the spider-verse um Mm -hmm. not going to spoil it too much but it ends on a cliffhanger yeah I remember taking my brothers went with my wife and my friend one of my good friends and uh, I think I was the only one that maybe knew it was going to be there's another there's a sequel coming and I I had a feeling it was going to end on a cliffhanger but I remember them all being like questioning what, how are you going to end a movie like that? What, you going to wait? We're going to wait how long for the next one? And it just got delayed. So it's going to be a couple of years, but they're all like, Are you serious? We got to wait two and a yeah. half, three years. I'm like, That's hey, it was then that with Empire and Jedi, and it it's, yeah. it's not the first time that's ever happened. So,
1: um, yeah, keep in mind that after Return of the Jedi ended, no disrespect to like droids and Ewoks and those cartoons, but I had to wait from 1983 to 1999, really. Mm-hmm. To to continue the saga, so now having a new series like every few months is, you know, I don't I don't think younger fans necessarily fully appreciate how good they have it, how good we all have it because I exactly this is good exactly,
0: I don't know how much you can disclose about with how you work at Marvel, but uh, you you do you've done some different work I kind of wanted to show off to the audience and talk about, I know you've written the Halcyon Legacy that was. Mm -hmm. One of the mini series you just finished up a few months ago, yep, um, the Galaxy's Edge mini series, which I do have a copy of that one. Let's show this off to the audience. Very fun story, very little anthology series. Um, and then you have also Star Wars Allegiance, another little mini series that I actually just read this morning. I was preparing for this, and a fun one. I had not read it since it came out.
1: No, that's a that's an official prequel to Rise of the Skywalker. So I, I, can I had tell forgotten you about, about that. a bit. Yeah
0: yeah i i had forgotten about that and then i read it and i was like oh yeah that's that's how this one ended um it was it was fun i i enjoyed reading those again and like i said you you've done some other things other than star wars you've mm-hmm. um i think you did was it the old man hawkeye was that a one shot Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a,
1: it was a um 12 issue mini series sorry and that was actually my first like big hit okay. uh, as a comic book writer so that's sort of like what got my career going the most uh i had done a few other things but the one I will mention is Silver Surfer Annual number oh. one which uh, there was an editor there by the name of Tom Groneman who was he was the editor on this book and this was sort of the first book that he edited as like a lead editor but his uh, his primary responsibility at the time was being assistant editor to uh, Mark Panicia who was the editor of Star Wars line so we had such a good time with the silver surfer one that he's like i want to bring you into the star wars group so he was all credits tom so the silver surfer brought me into a whole different galaxy oh that's cool Uh, yeah so that was uh that was how i got into star wars and the very first thing i did for star wars uh i'm going to flip this computer so i don't know how many people will watch this but um you can see a a piece of original art by paulo uh, villanelli cool. on the wall that's from a 10 page Mace Windu story for Age of uh, Republic special, oh, and wow. um, that was my first ever Star Wars story. Uh, it's called The Weapon, and it's so such an important thing that I ended up getting a tattoo <laughs> at oh, Star Wars neat. Celebration. That's Mace oh, Windu's lightsaber. That is so, so that, cool. That was uh, how I spent my Star Wars Celebration this year. So that was my very first Star Wars story, and actually. I was paired with Paolo Villanelli. It was 10 pagers. So we didn't like necessarily get to know each other that well, but uh, little did we know that we would spend close to four years uh, mm-hmm. on bounty hunters. So a uh, uh, small world, but anyway, so that from there I did galaxy's edge was the second thing. And um, galaxy's edge was with the artist Will Sliney. And that was obviously for the release of the theme park, uh, you know, uh, galaxy's edge, Batuu, and, uh, mm-hmm. In Disney World and Disneyland.
0: And and Will slime if correct me if I'm wrong. He did the art for the Halcyon Legacy as well.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. They uh Disney Parks really liked what we did with Galaxy's Edge. So essentially Halcyon Legacy is a not quite a sequel because it's not really the same characters, but it's mm-hmm. sort of a spiritual sequel.
0: Right. Yeah. I I've enjoyed both of those. Uh they're fun. They're kind of they kind of stand on their own for the most part. And the, there is a linear story going through all, which if you read all together, you yeah. And that actually started
1: because with, with Galaxy's Edge originally was just going to be like an anthology series, kind of. But I didn't want that because I kind of felt like if you're a reader and it's like, oh, I'll skip three and I'll just read four because I mm-hmm. like this character. And I i wanted that because we're showing different parts of the, you know, of this incredible world that they've built, that I wanted people to read the whole thing. So I felt like I needed a heist that ran through the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of make it important enough to, you know, for all those issues to matter. Right.
0: Uh, I enjoy too how you get to touch on different eras of Star Wars and so many different yeah. characters get to show up, and it's
1: I pretty fun. much get to pick all these characters that I've just always wanted to write. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know you get to so, do that. Yeah. Like I just I had to justify it, but right, you know, right, right. I uh, was well, like, oh, you know, we have a uh a baby Sarlacc, so it's like, well, who's going to rustle that up? Well, why not Han Solo and Chewie? Because I've always wanted to write them so
0: I I remember reading it I got the trade and uh, I remember reading it for the first time and I think it's issue three or maybe it's issue three or four I can't remember which one but Hondo Anaka shows up yeah and the whole issue with Hondo and I was tickled pink I love Hondo he's one of my favorite characters mine uh, too he doesn't get a lot of uh, page time with comics Mm -hmm. or novels recently but every time he shows up I'm, I'm there for it so that was a fun one
1: yeah I think a lot of the Felony characters, it's hard to write them because so much is in flux. Because they're still making stories, so you don't want to sort of step on the continuity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's hard. Like if you are using characters from the original trilogy during the original trilogy, you pretty much know what you can and can't do. But it's harder when there is a character that is in motion. You know what I mean? So right. So that's uh, I think. Uh, but Honda is unique because we we get to play with him because he's right. all over the place that's right yeah he he's the only character that was in both um galaxy's edge and uh halcyon legacy mm-hmm. that's, that's another, not an accident
0: <laughs> another another fun issue i like with him and lando teaming up that's... yeah
1: i was like i would like to do a heist with the two of them oh it's <laughs> just it's it's like you know it's like a buddy comedy yes um a lot of humor know, so. in that issue yeah I, I i just that was so much fun to write
0: i wanted to um share a little bit about how I came into Bounty Hunters um, the beginning of 2020 before the world turned upside down. I had um, always collected trades and read digital, but a friend of mine at work, he collects singles and floppies and uh, he kind of talked me into it. So the first one I got was Charles Soule Star Wars number one. That was the first flop- floppy I started collecting. Um, and then I think I saw when I was at the comic book store a preview for Bounty Hunters. And I love the bounty hunters and star Wars, some of my favorite characters. Uh, so I I instantly was like, well, I'm going to pull that one too. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the world turned upside down and it got shipping and things got delayed, but mm. um, those two have been the ones that have been constant on the pull list. And some of the only runs that I've collected every issue of, I wanted to ask you, I don't know how much, like I said, you're willing to disclose, but how did you get approached to write bounty hunters and kind of how did that idea come come to be?
1: You know, after I'd done galaxy's edge uh mark panicia the editor approached and said hey we'd like you to do you know we want to we're in a unique position you know it's not going to last forever but as long as it lasts we're enjoying it where mm-hmm. you have these four main books star wars darth vader uh, dr Aphra, bounty hunters that are all exist in the same time period so you can have crossovers you can have things that happen in one matter and another and you didn't really have that as much in star wars comics at least before mm-hmm where, because you're in the same era at the same time, so it was very important to them that they have four strong planks. And as as they were sort of, you know, they decided one of them would be bounty hunters. Uh, and Mark one of the priorities for Mark was to sort of make the main character be Valance because Valance was a character that was, uh, you know, a very important character in the original Marvel run, uh, you know, in the late late 70s. And like, basically we brought him back into canon you know, uh, or they had brought him back in the canon, uh, if, you know, shortly before. And so they really wanted to sort of elevate this character. And Mark's idea originally was that it would sort of be the Punisher in space. But I was a little less excited about that because I, I, I don't love characters that... Nec- it's not that I don't love. I love these characters, but I don't necessarily want a character that can just shoot or punch their way out of anything. Like, I, I like them with a little bit of human frailty. And so what I kind of pitched was more of like a basically like a soldier with PTSD, somebody who was like catastrophically injured physically. uh, He had rebuilt himself for the most part physically, but he's still a mess emotionally. I've said this before, but like the, the central theme in this book is trauma, which is why I always traumatize these characters, you know, and hopefully down the road, there'll be a happy ending. But in order to get over the trauma, they have to be traumatized during the course of the series so that was my way in with him but at the same time we all grew up with these classic bounty hunters and so what we really wanted to do was have them in this book somehow you know basically over the course of the series it ended up becoming more of an ensemble book I think than was originally envisioned it just naturally kind of and I introduced some characters that were kind of special to me as part of it biggest one being Tonga uh, one of the bounty hunters. So it ended up becoming a team and this team of slightly dysfunctional people, you know, working together and, you know, failing sometimes, but kind of often times succeeding. This is the first ongoing that I've ever done. So I was a bit naive at the start and I had these threads that are only now paying off or, you know, may not pay off for another few issues. And I didn't really have the idea like this could have ended after six issues, you know, mm-hmm. So I just, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing in that, that front because I think if it did end after six issues or 12 issues or whatever, there would have been a lot of uh, subplots that went nowhere. But what I do like is a lot of these characters have evolved over time. Fukura as a character comes to mind and there's a lot more to come, so I don't want to spoil it, but that's how it started. It started as very much being a, on one hand, a valence book and, and another on another hand, this sort of bounty hunter's Ensemble book, and it's only recently that's sort of emerged. merged. Uh, also, there was a, there was supposed to be a, a second book that involved when when Valance went uh, was basically pulled in by Darth Vader to sort of run this this elite unit. Um, originally, that was going to be like a spinoff miniseries. But because of the paper shortage uh, at the time, like they had to make some difficult decisions on what not to. So that's why Valoncer sort of disappeared from the book for a while. Ended up in and Vader. So, oh, so okay. we had all these uh, these plans, and then we had to sort of, kind of cram it back into Bounty Hunters and shorten it. Gotcha. So like I think a lot of that arc I had in mind, uh, but it was sort of, you know, we had to change it on the fly to sort of, you know, fit this new reality. Unfortunately, but I think hopefully it worked.
0: Yeah, I. I remember that happening, and I remember being disappointed because he's he's been very he's kind of the heart and soul of the team, and he's been such an interesting character. I didn't know really anything about the character until I started reading Bounty Hunters, um, and I've really just fell in love with him. He's become one of my new favorite characters in the comics. You said earlier, you know, this was the first ongoing you've done. Was there was there any kind of intimidation you felt, or any kind of um, you know how did you approach it different? Did you approach it differently, or did you know kind of what to do? I guess.
1: I mean, I think like I I was working arc by arc, but I would put these little, you know, things like Cadelia, what, what's going to happen with her, and then that didn't pay off until, you know, Crimson Rain and and uh, you know uh, Hidden Empire and all the you know. So it's sort of things like that happen, but for the most part, I was living arc to arc, and then as I got my sort of feet under me, you know, by maybe issue 11, 12, then I started planning longer term, Gotcha. you know, like I would plan on doing things and like two years later, we pulled the trigger on, on some of the things.
0: How do you guys, how does the crossover with the other writers and artists, how does that work? Do you guys, you know, get together? Do you guys? Yeah, we, we
1: had, we haven't had one in the, in a bit, but we have had these weekly zoom calls uh Wednesday night where it was like uh Charles and Greg and Alyssa and Mark Guggenheim and the editors and you know often if somebody uh was gonna was gonna write like a spinoff series for for a bit they would have come into and aside from it being like the most fun you know these people become some of my closest friends over the last four years but also on top of it like it really helps. There were all these ideas that they help you refine. And that that's why I feel and I I know I'm biased here, but I really feel like we're so cohesive. And it all ties in so well together. And that's really because we're all working together. And we're all reading each other's scripts and um, offering advice. And, you know, uh, Charles is our quarterback, like he's Uh, You know, basically all those crossovers have started with these brilliant ideas that he's had. And the great thing, too, like, you know, he's he's a superstar in comics. And and yet he is just so giving of time and advice and guidance. And he designs these crossovers so that everybody can can have some fun with it in their own books, in their own way. It isn't like okay, we're gonna do this, and t- it's not that at all. Like he'll he'll say, "I'd like to do this with this character. How can that help you? Would you like me to do something different?" You know what I mean? It's always it's always this collaborative. I mean, it's a gift to work with these people. It just is really a gift. And then the other part of this equation is obviously comics is a, a you know a co- collaboration with visuals, you know, with the art art teams, and and I've been gifted for uh most of this run to have one artist, pal Villanelli. We mm-hmm. have 30 issues together, which is almost unheard of nowadays. Yes. Um, and then every art, every you know, quote unquote guest artist before and after has been fantastic too. So uh most recently Lon uh, Medina. So um I always leave pages like for action scenes. I always leave okay here are like the three main beats we have to do, but for these next four pages, you design this how like have fun. Oh, because they're so good at that yeah so uh it's really it really is a team you know it, it and it is a team that just works really well together
0: yeah it i've somebody who's read all the big events and the crossovers that it, it is very nice you can tell there's a cohesive everybody's on the same page uh, it doesn't really feel like it's disjointed or not gonna badmouth any other companies or even yeah. marvel itself when they do crossovers sometimes it doesn't feel that way uh feels very kind of in its own little corner of the universe but mm. star wars comics i think out of other comics that i've read it just feels so cohesive and the narrative flows so smoothly between all the characters and the interactions feel genuine of how they've been written in the past so i appreciate that and that's that's actually interesting to hear i did not know you guys did that yeah
1: well thank you yeah i think uh, the the greatest this franchise is truly unique and and like and unlike any other franchise in that all the continuity matters. So like the mm-hmm. comics are tie into the movies, tie into the video games, tie into the novels, you know, even tie into the theme parks. And so like this it, the stakes on this is high because it affects like the Luke Skywalker that you see in the movie. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everything. Mm-hmm everything matters it's not going to be there's not going to be a cosmic being coming in and wiping away the continuity of fixing everything the way was. you know what i mean right so it, it is it is truly unlike anything else in pop culture i think
0: i've, I've said that to both carmel and i've had many discussions about that and yeah like you said i we go see spider-man on the big screen and i go to my local comic book store they're going to be completely unrelated but star wars uh you know can to go pick up oh there's that background character that i I seen in the latest movie and he's oh look he's got his own little one shot or something it's it's fun. I have never really known anything about zuckus mm-hmm. and he has become one of my favorite characters. I don't know what it is. He has been great and in the Daniel Jose Alder actually did the one shot of uh, Four Lemons yeah. zuckus Just one of my favorite comics ever and I've enjoyed him on the team. He is a breath of fresh air. Um, didn't really know anything about him i just thought he was one of those action figures that people collected because he was in the movies but man he's he's got a really fascinating story and it, really cool skills um he's very great I, I adore him dearly
1: yeah both uh both daniel and i were lucky in that despite it zuckus being a character that's in an an original trilogy movie there's very little of the background or anything that's been actually set in you know disney a canon so uh that gave us a lot of freedom um i had a whole issue where i could tell his childhood secret origin story basically yes. and that was so much fun because we'd never been to the planet again and so got to envision it and work with the artist and and uh and i just i like just a good little guy i i write zuckerson for lom and, and by the way it's it's for lom as That's I found the long. hard way, because I, my entire life, I said four long and I was corrected by a uh, story group. So in general, the, the, um, the droids are sort of pronounced phonetically so that you can visualize how they're spelled. I guess it's always been the, yeah. the thing. But anyway, anyway, as an aside, I write them as Bert and Ernie. And I so, can see it. <laughs> yeah. I just write them as Bert and Ernie. Like he's just really good, they're best friends, totally different personalities, you know, 4LOM is like the Bert, and just kind of, kind of tolerates him a bit, but also, you know, obviously cares, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, that's how I sort of envisioned them, and how I, I wrote them.
0: One thing I wanted to ask is, uh, not to get too spoiler, but um, there was a recent shakeup with the team in the comics, did that come, is that something, I don't know if that's something you can talk about, but is that something that came organically, or was it, something that you kind of felt like there needed to be a
1: shakeup? I can't talk too much, but I can say this. There were several factors okay. that went into it. Not all okay. not all mine, but uh, okay. I think, you know, the two people that left, uh, you know, one is, as you probably could tell from last issue, has not really, there's like a whole other story. And I, I thought uh, it was important for me that Locha not just be, Tonga's wife um Mm -hmm. and so I think without giving anything away there's an arc which I think is going to be pretty cool obviously a bias uh but I struggled with that one a little bit because you know you get into I think like if you listen to veterans who've been in the industry a long time you don't like this is why the Avengers lineups always change and things like that it's just it's very easy to get kind of you you like the status quo and then you stay in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think getting a little bit of a shakeup and some of the dynamic that came out of that I think was uh, was helpful. I I miss I I kind of had to let mm-hmm. him go because he was always on borrowed time. Yes. You know, as a character that obviously is uh, has his roots in a much older version in um, live action. So I don't know. I I could never go all the way to that point you know so it was always like i can borrow him for a while and and so i'm grateful that i got him because he was a fun character to write you know to basically see this um you know yes he's this killer and he's quite good at it and he relishes the killing but he's also something naive about him at the time Mm -hmm. and he basically grows up into somebody who you know doesn't like speaking basic because he obviously he's become cynical so something along the way made him cynical so you see some of that um here and eventually like he basically wants to go with be with his own people and so you know i would love to tell a slightly older version of stories about a slightly older version of him at some point i don't yeah. know if i'll ever get to that opportunity but um i was grateful for the time i had yeah
0: he was he was a fun addition and i i had not realized that he was in the force awakens until i rewatched it uh, a couple yeah. years ago and when he was first, when you first brought him on and uh, the name was said in the movie and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I had to look it up and I was like, oh my God. I had no idea. It didn't even cross my mind. Well, I so, he was original so character. those, the those two
1: actors in that scene, including the one who plays Tasu Leach uh, were uh, in one of my favorite non-Star Wars movies, The Raid. It's a fantastic action movie, very violent action movie. And so obviously J.J. Abrams liked that movie too. So he cast them into fairly, fairly small parts. So I just was like, oh, it's a little bit of a waste to have these, these actors, these incredible martial arts actors in this tiny cameo, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I would love to know what this character. So I needed a young kind of brash character, one of the early issues to fight balance so that I think it was an issue eight. And, and so I was like, wow, what if it's a young version of Tassel Leech? And my God, Lucasfilm let me do that. Like, obviously, I couldn't kill him off. Uh, right. That was the only thing. But other than that, I think they, they gave me a lot of freedom.
0: And recently, some news broke of a new comic you're writing. I would like to give you the opportunity to talk about that if you can and give a, yeah. the audience kind of a little information about about it. Sure.
1: Sure. Uh, uh, this project is a creator owned project. I'm very, very proud of it. It's, it's the most personal thing I've ever done. Uh, I'm co writing it with my daughter, and it's a supernatural sort of teen heart. I mean, very. Much a PG thirteen horror movie, if you will. Uh, it's called A Haunted Girl, and uh, it is inspired uh, by my daughter's real life uh, battles with depression and hospitalization a few years ago. And, and you know, at that time, I uh, I really wanted to come up with a story that would inspire uh, you know teens like her to keep fighting and persevering. And and we ended up uh, you know four years later, she's in a place where she could write it with me and uh, we partnered with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and they have like a resource guide in the back and it's I mean I'd like to think the story is is uh entertaining for those who don't need that uh but also hopefully there's like an extra layer of catharsis and like just being seen by Mm -hmm. by uh readers who do need that so uh yeah that's coming into the first it's a four issue miniseries just uh coming out October 11th is the first issue and okay uh, my good friend joe Casada did a cover uh, uh paolo villanelli uh breaking the news here but he did a cover for issue two awesome uh we just have some just a, a murder's row of cover artists doing variants and such so uh yeah definitely it's coming from uh image and uh an image imprint called syzygy
0: okay i have not heard of that one i've read some image so i'm, I'm excited to pick it up uh, i don't read a lot of uh indie books as i guess you mm-hmm. can call them but uh, I read the premise uh, when the news broke and I was like oh I'm very interested to in seeing that and hearing the kind of inspiration of the story makes it even more more interesting to me so I would look forward to it your daughter is she this is her first writing experience I don't, I'm
1: not sure how old she is. Yeah, she's uh nineteen. Um okay. she did some junior journalism uh back in the day uh for the Daily News, uh including she interviewed Ali Kravalho for uh, the star Moana and Lynn Manuel Miranda and Steven Spielberg and
0: Holy cow. That's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Uh
1: yeah, I shall tell a quick quick story if that's okay. Sure. Um, but uh she, I, you know, when she was preparing and she was younger then, uh it was whether the BFG, the 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 Steven Spielberg uh, kids movie came out and uh, I was like you can ask him you know come up with your questions and so one question every time she watched Jaws she cried in the exact same time no matter how many times she saw it and that was when the dog disappears so it's implied that the dog Pippet is is eaten by the shark you know the, the person on the shore is throwing the stick and then you see the stick bobbing in the water but no Pippet yeah so I mean she could care less about the humans being eaten but the dog (laughs) was very very (laughs) traumatic for her so she asked uh, Steven Spielberg uh, she said um, is it possible because we didn't see the demise of Pippet on screen like is it possible that Pippet (laughs) survived so so he said you know I was very young in my career if I did it now I probably wouldn't have done that scene with with the dog but at the time i felt like what would make the shark look truly evil and it's like this poor defenseless dog you know mm. so he said but but it's possible that uh, the person throwing the stick on the shore was not pippet's owner it was just somebody else and pippet got frustrated having to chase the stick all the time so he just swam home and had dinner oh. so i said so it survived and so i said after the after the interview concluded i was like you know naomi you realize like steven spielberg just Retcon jaws for you, for you. <laughs> to that's save awesome. the life of the dog. So it's like, I don't think you fully appreciate how cool that is. That is really uh, neat. That is a fun story. man that's
0: really cool. I, again, I appreciate your time, Ethan. Um, do you my care pleasure. for the audience? Do you uh, have any where they can find you on social media?
1: I mean, I'm on Twitter still for now, Ethan for J. Sachs. Uh, I'm also just dipping my toe in threads and Blue Sky. Uh, you can just find me under my name um ethan Sachs and uh yeah uh,
0: i again i thank you for your time i've enjoyed our conversation
1: um thank you sir likewise yeah
0: and for the audience i'm gonna put some links to where you can find ethan's work um, i'm gonna keep it to star wars He he's written a few things but I, since we're a star wars podcast i'm gonna put links to where you can find it and i re- highly recommend bounty hunters um it is a very fascinating and very fun series
1: thank you appreciate that uh, Thank you, Ethan, again, and uh, audience, may the force be with you.